predictions. We'll talk about the Wizards in the next uh, block, but let's talk about what kind of dark horse team that you see out there in the NBA this season. I think the Miami Heat make a big jump from not making the playoffs last year to hosting or having home court advantage in the first round. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Yak Sports Podcast is back. We have a lot to talk about. High school sports, plenty of topics, a lot of stuff happening down at Virginia Tech and uh, college basketball. And then we have John Leonard on as our guest. But let's get started with that high school sports talk. And let's start with basketball and the boys. And the big game that happened last week that I think has, has a lot of people talking was Buffalo Gap beating Stanton in basketball and uh, right as it was happening, uh, there was there was some text messaging going around between me and Patrick and I think Chris Lassiter and some former uh, Robert E. Lee coaches and stuff. And they were just trying to find out if that had ever happened before. And no one can remember a time that Buffalo Gap has beat Stanton in basketball. So that we'll, we'll count it as the first, whether it's not, it hasn't happened often. And I think it's just a kind of a hopefully not a pinnacle, but, a, you know, a, a topping to the great season that the Bison have been having for them to go and beat Stanton in basketball. Yeah, the Shenandoah district in, on the boys' side especially has been kind of a jumbled mess. Um, everybody seems to be kind of in a cluster of equal talent. Um, Stanton has been up and down this year. Um, they they haven't been down for too long when they've lost. I, in fact, I don't think they've lost back-to-back games all year, which is good news for Stanton. Um, but they kind of need to string some wins together if they want to be able to make a run. Um, they did that last year. Last year, this is very similar in the regular season. They struggled at times, and then they ended up going in as the four seed in the Shenandoah district got hot. And that's when they went on their string of wins. So it's not impossible for Stanton to do the same thing this year, but and for this, Buffalo and, gap. And, and, and just so you know, that happened right before you came in this area covering basketball. Stanton did that a couple years in a row where they were like 500 a couple years mm-hmm. in a row. And then they would have success in the postseason and make little runs. Right. Um, and so that's why I think when you first started covering basketball here, that was kind of, I think my hesitation with you of, you know, I don't know if they're going to win this game or like, we're going to have another game to cover. And then they immediately went on two runs. Uh, right. And, and for Buffalo gap, it's was doing the. This it they haven't in a while. No, they they haven't done it in a while at the very least. But for Buffalo Gap this year, this is good because this is a this is a way to look at your program and say, okay, guys, see, this isn't just non district. Because I think that was a lot of questions coming into the district play. Would Buffalo Gap be able to keep this up when they start playing in the district? They beat Stanton, and if as you said, if it's not the first time in school history, it's been a very long time since it's happened probably and, counting on one hand yeah. yeah for buffalo gap you can look at this and say all right this was a test now another test would be actually being able to beat stewart's draft who they had that's who their losses too but um stewart's draft is a really really good basketball team and this is a team that of them a couple of weeks ago i had to defend them to you uh, you did but since they've gotten into district play they've they the three has started to fall again and and that's just what they are um, they're a team that's going to live and die by the three right now. It's going in. They love to press you. They love to make wholesale line changes at the scorers yeah. table when they sub. So it's a deep team. And, you know, for Stewart's draft, if they can keep that going, yeah, they've got a great shot. Now, my concern is this is a team that 
is a team that could just as easily be one and done in the playoffs just because of if that three doesn't fall, this team doesn't really have a plan B. It's all about matchups for draft. And if the other team you're going to, you know, you always want to go into those games and, and you think the coach would say, Hey, we play our style. We can't adhere to what they do. You can't do that with sewer draft. You're going to mm. have some increased because they're pressing you. You're going to have to be fighting through that. They're going to be line changing. So you're going to have to take advantage of that a little bit. So there is an adjustment to your game, but it's got to be the right adjustments. And you're still going to have to play within your own style once you get to a half court set. But you're going to have a lot more uh, fast breaks and a lot more uh, hustle up and down the court where you're not used to doing it. So um, it's all about how people handle that. These teams from our area have seen this year in, year out. So these coaches have coached against it. So I think it's it's just different if Stewart's Draft gets into the region tournament and gets teams that haven't seen them. I think they fare better than playing a, you know, a Stanton team or a Buffalo Gap team that's already played them twice the, in the season. And and at the very least, you know, know those couple games better, much less these last couple years from coaches. So I think that'll be important to them in the postseason. But they're also going to gain confidence in between now and then. And each one of these wins, you know, two and oh in the district's a great start. I mean, we can't crown them champions quite yet, but if they can continue to get these wins against the better teams in the district, you know, they're going to gain their confidence. And that three sinks a lot quicker when you have that confidence, when you're shooting it, you see it in high school all the time that these teams that it's kind of like what I always say in football, winning is the hardest thing to teach in high school football. Well, you know, scoring is kind of, you know, if you think you're going to score 80, hundred points every game, you, you have a much better chance of of winning these games. You're going to have that confidence to shoot the ball and make it. And, And draft is living that style. So, I it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I think the district is going to be so much fun this year. I think what is there six, seven teams, six, six teams in the district. I think five of them have a chance. <laughs> I mean, I really, I agree. Do. I, I agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, any of these teams make a run. I mean, there's a two and O team and then four one and one teams. I think any one of those ones make it. I just haven't seen what I need to out of four to put them in that. And I don't think I'm gonna, so I, I, I am writing them off, but I think, if Wilson, Stanton, Riverheads, or Gap are in this top spot here in two weeks, wouldn't surprise me. I agree. All right, jumping or oh, to the big games this week for the boys. Uh, it all kind of revolves around, uh, I think, Stanton. I think Stanton's it's story a big week for gets Stanton. really told mm-hmm. this week. They play Riverheads on Tuesday. You and I will be calling it on 1240. So uh, listen in for that. If uh, I guess this will get posted after. So hopefully you listened. And then... Uh, Friday, Stanton plays Stewart's Draft, and I think that's another big game. So, uh, you know, if Stanton does the same thing twice this week, it could really tell their season. If they win both of them, they're sitting in that top spot, and you think a lot of Stanton. If they lose both of them, then you're really worried about what they're going to do this season. So, uh, in the least, Stanton wants to split here just so their season doesn't kind of get behind the eight ball this early. Um, But, yeah, they're looking for both wins there, and I think it's good challenges by both teams. I think Riverhead's. Uh, there's no reason Riverheads shouldn't go into that game very confident. They've beat Stanton in these last couple years. They've they've take, knocked off uh, that team in the last couple years. I, I think they have a chance to do it again Tuesday night, especially at home. And then Stewart's draft, that style. I think we've seen draft and Stanton play some great games, and I think Stanton's come out on most of them. And I think uh, draft's playing very strong right now. I think it's going to be a fun week to watch those particular games. On the girls' side, uh, Riverheads, they've won six straight ball games. They beat... Wilson uh, and Fort, which is good because Fort has been rolling. Um, so to get a 2-0 start for Riverheads girls 
is a really good test for them. I think we knew that the Riverheads boys were probably going to be able to make a deep run. We felt that the girls would too, but this is a good start in Shenandoah district play for their girls team. And the girls side, you mentioned on the boys side, you know, it wouldn't be shocking. Maybe not five, but I'd say at least four of these teams have a legit shot because they looked really, really good on their out-of-district schedule. And now that they're in-district, it's going to kind of separate. And we'll see here because Riverheads will play a lot of these teams uh, this week coming up. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can separate themselves here early in the Shenandoah district or if some of these other teams will pick them off and keep it close. I think it's a very similar story on the, on the, on the girls' side. I don't think, I don't think one team's going to run away from it there. Um, I think, I don't really think the boys side will have it, but like, if it happened, I would be, if, if one of these two, uh, fields is going to have a runaway, I think it'll happen to the boys. I think the girls are going to stay right with each other. Uh, I don't think Riverhead's going to go undefeated in the district by any means. And so I think it'll be a really interesting girl season to watch the big games this week. Uh, um, is the team I'm putting on this one is Buffalo gap. This is a team that's had good success in the past. Uh, they've had a, you know, a tough enough schedule so far. They have that showdown with Wilson on Tuesday night, which gap Wilson playing girls basketball, always a big game in this last decade. And then gap riverheads on Friday, you, you know, uh, also a very interesting matchup. So I think, uh, as we talked about Stanton kind of having a big week, uh, on the boys side, I think it's gaps big week here on the girls side. So, um, interesting games happening. Uh, make sure you guys get out to them and see them. There's a lot of good basketball playing in this area. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to be at Riverhead Stanton tomorrow night. You know, one of those, uh, I think one of the, at least one of those teams is going to have some good postseason success. And I think both of them are capable of doing it. So it'll be a good game to watch. Moving around some high school here. Uh, something we, we neglected last week. I was working on uh, trying to get uh, James Kasak on as a guest this week, but he's he's at two-a-days. And well, I, you're James Kasak's at two-a-days. That's because he got drafted in the MLS, which is huge for a player from this area to get drafted to a professional sport. That's awesome. And so he's a, a Riverheads grad back in 16. He led them. I, uh, no disrespect to any of the other players on that team, but he led them to a state championship that year, went on to play at Virginia Tech, played a bunch of games for the Hokies, started these last couple years as a defender for him, and now he's been drafted by Kansas City. He was drafted number 84. Uh, he goes there, and there was a picture today on Twitter of him running in two-a-days there uh, for the Kansas the, the sporting, sporting Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the phrasing of that I'm not used to. So uh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. And uh, everybody I know with the Riverheads community is proud of him. But, I mean, I think everybody in the area, that's just really cool to have someone playing professional sports in this area. We are going to have an interview from from him coming up. Uh, I wasn't able to sneak it in before he left for camp. But here, uh, hopefully in February, we're going to have him on. So look for that, and we're looking forward to that. But uh, congratulations to him. Uh, sorry we neglected it last week. I think Jeff Wright called us out. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of uh, absent-minded. Heck, we didn't even talk about NFL last week until the last minute of the show. Yeah. So, uh uh, congratulations to him. It was, it's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Um, I love that we're talking about soccer, not at the very end. Uh, that's cool too. I'm going to have to pay a little more attention to MLS or at least sporting Kansas city now. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a Kansas city fan now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll be a James Kasak fan. I just, mm, I don't know. It's hard when I watch as much soccer as I do when MLS comes on, I'm like, eh, there's other stuff on. No, so usually guy, I don't watch. I mean, my blood is, is red, like most people. And then my <laughs> blood is also orange and maroon. And this, so this kid has the same path that as I have educationally. It's just athletically far superior. So uh, I'm going to go to Kansas City with him, with my fandom. 
That's got to be an intro. My blood is red. <laughs> like most people. Oh, gosh. Everybody's a Riverheads fan at heart. Um, all right, moving on to NCAA football. And this was probably the big topic that got the most uh, attention from you and I in our texting and uh, social messaging this week. Fuente interviewed at Baylor a week ago. And uh, Joe, I'll just let you lead with your thoughts. We don't, we're going to get into the bigger argument, but your thoughts yeah. about the interviewing process to begin with. I have a problem with a guy who preaches loyalty nonstop and gets mad when players enter the transfer portal, uh, which is a tradition under the Justin Fuente era that as soon as he finishes hiring his staff, he, go, he is involved in an interview with another program. To me, it's despicable. He's the guy who, again, luckily we're not paying him anything more. Um, at least that was released as far as I know. Um, but I know that that's kind of the conversation you and I had was last week was, yeah, I thought it, we were either going to be paying him more or we weren't going to have him. And yeah. I didn't like, and I didn't love either one of those. And so it, this seemed to be a, a hidden third option, which is, I guess the best case scenario for the short term is that he stays. I, we, we keep this staff that we built. They can go on a recruiting tri- trip. We get the recruits hopefully that we need. And then when he does what he does best, which is choke and fail, then we can get rid of him. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he wins 10 games and he proves me wrong. But I'm telling you, I've been right about Fuente more than I've been wrong. And this guy is just, he rubs me the wrong way. He, his tweet right when he, to announce staying is, uh, go to work or something. And I'm like, dude, whatever. Like <laughs> we have been here. You're the one that's been wishy-washy about this whole thing uh, on, coming off a year. And look, I get it right. Maybe he knows that he's on the hot seat. Maybe he figures, Hey, if I choke here, I'm done. If I go to Baylor, I've got three or four years. Here's my question that I would love to know the actual answer to. Did he say no to Baylor or did Baylor, did he figure out that Baylor was looking elsewhere? Because Baylor hired LSU's defensive coordinator, I believe, which is, by the way, a pretty good hire. Yeah. I would I, rather have him than Justin Fuente. I'd love to know anything more about this, and, and I'll get to that aspect. I, I think what this tells me is, and this isn't even like a bad or good thing, I, I, we're not going to have Justin Fuente too much longer. Because mm-hmm. he's either going to do your track, where he's a poor coach at the beginning of next year, and then he's on the hot seat, and then he's out. Or which I, I really don't want that. Or as soon as Oklahoma's job opens where he played his, he's going to go interview. He's going to go take a job at Oklahoma or anywhere in that general area. But I really just see Oklahoma being the thing for him. So if he's good for Virginia tech, he's gone to Oklahoma or he's gone to Oklahoma, or he is very interested in getting back to his home area. I just, and if he's bad, we're getting rid of him anyway. The only thing I like about him staying right now is I just did not like the timeline of him going. So I didn't want that to happen. I I'd would rather him. St- I think we have a better chance of having success sooner with him here. That requires him being a good coach. And I know you don't think that's the case, but I think that helps us. I think we were going to be way behind the eight ball on hiring. We we're going to be taking a big chance with who we were hiring and the names that was being thrown around like Shane Beamer. I'm not sure if he's oh, quite God. ready for that yet. And, and I'm not, I don't know if that's what we want right now. No, I, 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 <laughs> I don't want I, Shane B. I, I don't think, I think I feel like it's a step backwards at the moment. And, and maybe I won't feel that way if it comes about at a later time, but right now I don't like it. So I think this is better for us, but I'm also now know 
Fuente's going to be gone sooner than later, one way or the other. And I'm okay with that. And because if it's sooner because he's so good and a top national program like Oklahoma wants him, then he's going to go and that's fine. And hopefully we can get somebody good. And that timeline will probably work to our favor a bit better than it would now. My biggest issue with this whole thing, and you hit it on the end of what you said, was the way he he just completely skirted talking to the media about this, stepping up and being a man about this. Yeah. You know what? I have less of a problem with him interviewing. I, I've switched around companies in my professional career, and it's not always the easiest decision. You have friends at these companies. You have your bosses have trust in you, and and I'm just not built that way. I think there's plenty of people that know me personally that know I'm not a guy that just goes flying around. I'm a very loyal guy. I, I still cheer for the same teams I cheered for in 1990. I, I, any girlfriends I've ever had, I've dated forever. Like that's just the way I'm built. I'm a, I'm a loyal person. And so when you go to look for another job and you need to make that range, you got to handle it a certain way. And I just don't like how Fuente just tweets this and then walks away from it, didn't want to talk to it. And then people were like, well, what does he owe the fans? No one has to, he doesn't have to say anything. It's not his responsibility to come out and say something to the media. Well, obviously it is if Whit Babcock has to sit there with reporters and answer questions and really dance around questions he should be answering or not and use that phrase of whether he should be answering that or that or not or speaking for Fuente. That shows that Fuente should have been sitting there himself. And there's there's respectable ways of saying that. Hey, I wanted to, you know, they were interested in me. That's a, a region of the country I'm from. I was, I, I had some interest. I needed to hear it out, but going there only re, uh, you know, reiterated how much I like it here and, and make me realize what I have built here and, and the people I have in place and the recruits that I have, like you can spin this. I mean, this is such an easy thing to spin. This isn't even like telling a story, just, just say things and you'll, Make everybody happy. And so here's this guy that pushes media away and pushes the outside away so much that it's becoming to turn a negative. And so then when he has this chance to really use something as a positive, he doesn't even take the opportunity. And I, I just college football is not built this way. I know that we cover a football team in this area that that doesn't have a lot of media uh, pulled inside. And that's Riverheads football. We, we know what we're talking about. I'm not beating around the bush. It's different. That's high school football. It's it's such a different thing. There is there's there's not money going around college high school football. There's not money is not a thing in high school football. It's not supposed to be in college, but yeah, I get your point. <laughs> but college it is. I mean that yeah. guy that guy's getting paid a lot of money. I mean these high school football coaches are getting paid to teach. I mean that's the money they're making, not coach football. They, mm -hmm. There's a little bit of money for football, fine. But that's not the case in college. They're getting paid big money to 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 coach that sport and there's media attention and media rights and big media and different entities to come cover your sport. Media is a different beast at that level. And so you're going to have to step up sometime and deal with the media. And that's what makes me more worried that he's never going to get an opportunity at some big time school because, and he's probably not a great coach because he can't handle that aspect of it. He needs, he's got to step up and learn how to handle it. And, and Whit Babcock told me that he should have been sitting there and that not, not anything else. Whit Babcock said that. And so that's my issue with Fuente. I'm not mad at him for taking an interview. I'm not mad at him for thinking about another school. I'm mad at him for running away like a, a small child. Yeah. He has no ties to Virginia tech. Like if, if he was lighting the world on fire and wanted to go to another program, cool. 
Um, I guess I did laugh a little bit when someone was like, well, you know, Baylor's a top 10 program. I'm like, no, it's not this year. Top 10 at what? Yeah. This year they were ranked in the top 10, but (laughs) they're not a top 10. Yeah. No kidding. Um, they're not a top 10 job in the country. I mean, get out. Um, you read some of these, it's just, and let me tell you, if, if you're familiar with Virginia tech Twitter, you can pick them out as soon as you see their profile picture, you can get a glimpse of what they're saying. And if you read it, you can whittle it down to two or three people usually, because there are people who are going to defend the program and whoever is in the program at the time to the death. And then there are people who keep it real. Um, I think Justin Fuente is a bozo. I think he's an absolute (laughs) clown. Um, You saying he gets good and then Oklahoma wants to interview him is almost laughable. Oklahoma would look at that application and use it as toilet paper. There is no way Justin Fuente will coach as a head coach in football at Norman, Oklahoma, ever in his life. The only way that happens is if they bring back the NCAA video game and he he's able to get a copy and he creates himself as a coach. That's the only way that's going to happen. Because there's no way this guy can't beat Clemson. This guy can't beat Duke. So, uh, yeah, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's going to look at that and go, mm, no, you thought Ryan Willis was the answer. Pass. To, to be fair, my mine did come with us having a lot of success next year. You know, like, yeah, like winning the ACC success, which I don't think is going to happen. I think I'll I'll be happy if we win the Coastal. Um, I'll be real happy. I, I expect it, that we better though. But again, we we lose players. We lose Hazelton to the transfer portal, and that is just mind-numbingly aggravating. Because I, I look the players. The players the aren't. Game of the season. He's one of your best receivers. That's fine. Um, he the had ten catches on the season. The players aren't going to going come out and say. I'm leaving because I don't like this coach. They're not going to come out and say that because they want to be picked up by another school. Um, but man, when you're looking at some of these players that are leaving, you're looking at players that are playing, getting playing time. Um, look, Hazleton is a guy who was great last year. I think he was underutilized this year because we're more interested in running the ball with our wide receivers uh, than passing to them at times. And look, we got Hendon Hooker in there finally, and he's a much better quarterback, and he he does need to work on his passing game. It's fine. I'm okay with that. But it does seem like when he goes out there and he makes plays, Hazleton, in the past, what is Fuente's first words when someone says, hey, great game by Hazleton. Uh, he's got over 100 yards receiving, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I wish he worked harder in practice. Oh, he I w- said that about Hazelton. That was a year ago when he was saying about a different receiver. Has he said that about Hazelton? Yeah, he says the same things about players that are talented. Because Sean I King had that. a great game. Why didn't he get more playing time? Well, you know, he, he dropped the ball after he was down by contact. Great. Cool. Well, you dropped the ball by putting a total loser as your starting quarterback. Oh, my God. When are we going to stop talking about Willis? That boy ain't going to play football for us anymore. Yeah, which means he's not a kid, which means I can go after him now, I guess. <laughs> But I just, just don't, I just don't care I, for I'm Justin Fuente and the Justin Fuente apologist. Just get out. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand and put on blinders for this guy. This guy's not good. Um, I, I'm we not mad at Whit Babcock for hiring him. We uh, have to stop. The apologists have to stop comparing 
these four years to Beamer's last four years. Beamer's last four years weren't good enough. That's why we wanted him gone. Yes, that's why we were pushing him out the door. I mean, we didn't really push him out the door, but we held the door open for him. Yeah. Celebrated him, but we were ready to move on. Yeah. got to stop celebrating Beamer's last four years like they were some kind of awesome thing. They weren't. And Fuentes matched that. Great. That proves it wasn't good enough. And then there was another thing I saw, how since Fuentes been here, we're the second best team in the ACC. I don't care. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Oh we went to gosh. one ACC championship game. Is this the That's same ACC good. that totally choked in the bowl season at two wins and one of them was a I'm semifinal? Laughing at the ACC for the last four years. Like, wh- what are we saying here? That's not good enough. I, I, you know what? I do want to be the best team in the ACC because that's a stepping stone to being a, a national power like Clemson is. I being the best in the coastal is not a is not a hope for me. That's like, we got to have that to be the next thing and then be the next thing. Like, it's just a, it's stepping stone. So just, we got to stop these stupid comparisons because what has been happening there hasn't been good enough. And I don't know how you can smell it and think it smelled good. Yeah, I I agree. And, and you and I made this comment. I think I maybe brought it up last week on the podcast where you're looking at some of these tweets and they're like, yeah, we're, (laughs) we're on the right track. I'm like, Oh my God. I want some of what I want some of what that guy has because good Lord. Kentucky is not a team we should be losing to if we're on the right track. And neither is UVA. No offense to UVA, but my UVA, but at least like they have a good, they had a good player. They maximized. They were at home. A lot of things went their way and they beat us, but Kentucky, come on, come on. If people in the SEC laugh about Kentucky. What are we doing? I do want to say something about the transfer portal, though. You get all upset about these guys going to the transfer portal. Every school deals with this. This is modern college football. I do not get worried about every single transfer portal. Some hurt me more than others. I get mad yeah, at the I'd, good ones. I'd rather Hazleton stay than not go, but he, was, he wasn't getting used this year. He's going to use his grad year for somewhere else. We have a lot of guys at wide receiver. We might lose another wide receiver because we have so many guys at wide receiver. I am not as worried about that. I, there's other we're gonna there's gonna be other guys entering this transfer portal in the weeks to come that we don't know yet. It's gonna happen. There're gonna be names we know because the, every school deals with this because the NCAA changed their policy to make it easier for these guys to move around. And all, in all honesty, I like it better that these 17 year olds don't have to get locked into decisions they made when they're 17. And so when they realize it's not the right fit or it's not giving them the best opportunity, they can move on. And you loved it when a quarterback in our local area moved over a school because it was going to give them the best opportunity. I don't see why you have this big. Every time there's a transfer portal kid, you get all up in her uproar. I'm, I, I think it's stupid to get worried about it. Every single one of them. I just don't care. There's going to be other players from Virginia Tech to enter this transfer portal. We got to live with it. We get guys in because of the thing, too. We've gotten some decent transfers in. Yeah. Yeah, we got a running back, which, again, I wish we would get something other than a running back. Let's get some offensive linemen. Let's get some defensive linemen because that seems to be an issue. Um, let's get some corners. Um, what else were you pulling your eyes at? But, uh, yeah, to me, it's it's the people that leave that are good that bother me. And, and the other excuse that I know I'm going to hear next year because we have all these players transferring out. Oh, well, you know, we're still a young team. Oh, got a lot of guys, you know. No, next year, we're not a young team. I'm not going to take that next year. I agree with you there. I'm not. It's the not same excuse we year. have all the time. Well, what is what is he supposed to do? Look at all these underclassmen on his team. Yeah, I, he's supposed to go out and recruit and be able to hold on to a few kids to be able to build a football team that's got some freaking talent. I, 
I get worried less about these guys entering the portal than you do. I just, I, I just want to make that point. We're going to lose more. There's going to be other ones going in there. Um, the last NCAA football topic I want to say, I just saw it before we started recording. Uh, Jalen Hurts getting ready for, I believe, the Senior Bowl. He's wearing Oklahoma on one side of his helmet and Alabama on the other side of the helmet. What's your thoughts on that? Dumb. We're the Oklahoma one. That's where you are now. I like it. I doesn't bother me. It's That's a it's a, it's a meaningless game. It's a it's a show off bowl game. He wants to represent his time at Alabama, which was meaningful for him. I mean, they he won a national championship, didn't he? At least played in a national championship yeah, game. I think. As a starter, and then the next year he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, like I I like it. I like that they worked that out in a way. Uh, the cool thing, which I know you won't have a problem with, is they made two of the helmets. So he's going to wear one, and the other one he's going to sign, and they're going to auction off for charity. That's great. But I like that he's he's representing both schools. For this new age of people moving around, I like that he's he he's still holding ties to Alabama. I think that's a cool thing. Cool. If Hazleton goes in, uh, has a great year next year somewhere, I'd, I'd like for him to still give respect to his time at Virginia Tech. Now he's going to flip double birds at Justin Fuente. Um, <laughs> let's move to NCAA basketball. Uh, Virginia Tech. They beat Wake Forest, which is good because Wake Forest isn't good. And then they had a heartbreaking loss to Syracuse at home, which was frustrating just because of last possession. It just, yeah, it I love like Landers Nolly, but when he put that shot up, I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. But okay, but here we go. Here is the immediate conversation I had in my text group with all my Hokie uh, alumni friends. You looked in the postgame comments. Mike Yon immediately kind of made a joke. And right. yeah, that's exactly what we drew up, obviously, tongue-in-cheek, and said, yeah, we had something else drawn up. It didn't really go that way. He kind of rushed the shot. And, you know, you know, we wanted, the, we wanted the ball on his hands. That's what happened. We lost the game. And then Nolly gets up to the mic, and he's like, yeah, I rushed it. I feel stupid. He felt bad. Like, yeah. So we move on. Yeah. No, I'm moving like, on. Yeah. They're a young team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know you're fine. But this is what I'm relating. My text group I immediately started talking football. All Justin Fuente has to do is say, hey, here's what happened. Didn't really go the way y'all wanted it to go here. But, you know, I'm still trying my hardest for Virginia Tech. Exactly like these basketball guys just did. You could do that, Fuente, and you'd be just fine. You'd be just fine. So I, I like I like that it was a growing moment for our team, our young basketball team. We're going to use that excuse there. But they are young. But that's and different. Mike Young's in his yeah. first year, and we're <laughs> yeah. overachieving in basketball. We beat Syracuse at Syracuse a week ago. So losing them at home, shucks. And we didn't have a really good last possession. Shucks. But we move on, and, and, and they're having a great season. They have a chance to keep on having a great season with UNC – who is looking awful. We've talked about that. We'll talk more about it later. And then Boston College, a very beatable team, um, but at BC, which does make it a touch harder on this weekend. Right. So, but we have a nice little stretch here that we need to. Yeah, I agree. You need to, you need to, in my opinion, you got to at least split in my opinion. And I mean, you need to beat UNC at home. That one's that one's the one you gotta win. If if you lose at Boston College, as long as it's close, I'm not gonna be pulling my hair out. If you get blown out in that game, I'm gonna get a little worried. But I want to go back to what you were saying in your text group, and I believe you and I were having a similar text conversation too. Yeah, I still love Mike Young. God, that guy, yeah, I, love I I love him. And Whip Babcock made a great hire with him. I, a lot of people, I you and I, when that hire was right. made, we said. I want to see what happens. He did a great job at Wofford. I want to see what happens. I, I don't 
I think that's fair. I didn't think it was a bad hire. There were some people that were saying, no, no, we wanted so-and-so. We wanted somebody else. We wanted somebody else. Um, you floated the UMBC coach, and I just want to float this in your face right now. Um, as a guy that would be great to hire, his team is last place right now in that conference. So good job with Babcock not hiring him. But I just wanted to troll UVA as much as I could. Yeah. Okay. We'd be trolling them. <laughs> we would be worse than UNC this year if we had done that. But um, and that guy had Virginia, uh, like Roanoke ties and stuff. So I mean, and it was it was valid. Well, Mike Young has local ties, and yeah, I think he's I a guy that's going to stay Mike forever. Was, really. I think he's going to be a guy that maybe stays forever because of that, stays and forever. that's awesome. Um, I, I'm excited. I he's done a good job recruiting for a guy who allegedly couldn't recruit a lick. Um, he's got some guys in his program that can help him at least. Uh, and they're getting some really good basketball players in. Um, Landers Nolly's young. He's going to learn. Um, my only concern, and I texted Hopefully this to you. <laughs> yeah, I texted this to you. Yeah, my concern is he might be too good to come back next year. But um, that's also a blessing for Virginia Tech in a way, too, because it helps yep. get more of those players. That's part of the game. Yeah, it is. And um, But I, I, like you said, Mike Young handles things the right way. He's a better coach. Um, and you look at Mike Young and just what the men's basketball program and Kenny Brooks is doing a good job with the women's program. I mean, that was a real dumpster fire when he walked in and he's building that. Um, but on the men's side with Mike Young, I just feel so much better about what he's doing with the men's basketball program than I do with what Fuente is doing with the football program. And I think that's the other thing that hurts Fuente is I can look at Mike Young and go, yeah, that's a guy who's doing things correctly. He's doing it the right way. And I look at Fuente and I'm like, yeah, you're a guy who's doesn't own up when he makes a mistake. As you said in this instance uh, with the interview, he's he's not wanting to talk to the media about it at all. Um, and it, it's just aggravating. It's aggravating to see that. And it kind of further drives that home to me and hammers that nail in of Fuente is just not a very good coach. And you look at Mike Young and you're like, this guy, this guy belongs in the ACC and Justin Fuente doesn't. I, you, there's more instances of you being right there. I can't really argue with it. Um, let's talk about the other team in Virginia that our listeners care about that is relevant because JMU's not. Um, nope. UVA having a rough time. And uh, this is me smiling over here. But they've lost four <laughs> of five, including the game uh, on Monday night here against NC State. Uh, only beating Georgia Tech in this run. Losses at Boston College, Syracuse, Florida State, which Florida State's not embarrassing. And then NC State. And these are all teams, all those teams are teams going into the season that you thought UVA would be better than. Uh, because UVA was ranked in the top three. Were they, were they won any this year? But I think they're in the top three. Um, so it's been a much different season for them. They don't have the scoring they need. Sure. Their defense can play very well. And even in some of these losses, they've held teams down, but it's just, they don't have the right combination. They haven't figured themselves out this year and uh, they're struggling. They are. Uh, the ACC is outside of like Louisville and Florida state. Not great. Um, it's a, it's a pretty big pack there. That is, I would say mediocre basketball right now. Um, and UVA and Virginia Tech are in that mediocre pack together. UVA beat them in Charlottesville. I would love for Virginia Tech to be able to beat them uh, in Blacksburg. Uh, well, that chance is going to be coming up sooner rather than later. Uh, Until February, but yeah. Well, it'll be here before we know it. February and, 26th. Okay, so about a month. 
little more yep. than a month. Um, but yeah, Virginia Tech, I think um, I, I like where we are. Uh, and I guess that's the difference, right? You you were giving UVA football a hard time for being happy with an eight-point loss to Florida in their bowl game. But our loss to Syracuse at home, I can live with. Their loss to Syracuse at home is cause for concern because they're coming off a national championship. I'm not saying, you know, anything crazy. Tony Bennett's safe. Tony Bennett's fine. Um, people in UVA love Tony Bennett. They should love Tony no, Bennett. fire him. No. All right, he's a legend. He brought a national championship there, but he's not doing well enough as he can fire him. No, he's not last place in the conference. But um yeah, this is this is probably uh a, a step back for them that they weren't expecting this year. It's and like two I, guys in the NBA. Like that's, yeah, that's tough to that, deal with. That hurts. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. I don't think he was expecting that. I think the way Tony Bennett Bennett was building his program was for that not to happen. And so when that happened, he's like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But you'll um, hang the banner and you'll deal with it. Yeah, you'll hang the banner and you'll deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> if every time that happens, he has a year where he has a setback, I think UVA fans will be okay. They'll be all right. Um, I will say, though, when you talk about happy with, you know, finding the positives of the Syracuse loss, you and I had a text conversation right as that game ended or or I got to it soon after. I, I was bringing up what we could have done to win the game more than just that last possession. Like I, yeah. I wasn't just riding high. I was, I, I had my moments of man. I, that was a winnable game. We should have had that. That's my, that's what I don't think I've, I've portrayed correctly about that bowl game for UVA. I just, I didn't hear one person have an issue with like, well, we could have done this. We're going to, they were just dang happy that they lost that football game. And I just, I thought that was weird, but I, I want to move on. I don't want to talk about that again. Cause if I'm not saying it right I have yet, I'm not going to say it right now. Uh, JMU is worse than we even said they would be, I think. Uh, um, let's, I don't even want to talk about them. I think I, I think I was nail on the head. I think I said they would be closer to last than fourth. Um, no. They're going to be next to last because somehow UNC Wilmington has managed to field a team that is worse than us. Uh, and maybe the NCAA needs to look into that and just close that program because they don't <laughs> need it. Give them the death penalty because they're bad. Yeah, UNCW <laughs> needs to save some money and just close that thing. I do want to quickly touch on just something I saw on Twitter that I loved, and then, of course, somebody has to poop their pants over. Uh, a Twitter handle, JMU Sporting News, great follow. Um, put as a joke, JMU should fold their men's basketball program and see if they can use those scholarships for a men's lacrosse program. And someone put... The coaches and the AD are fair game, but you shouldn't cyberbully these kids. Cyberbully. If that's cyberbullying, these kids need to grow up. Cyberbullying is a serious issue in schools. This is not an example of cyberbullying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Great effort in your total destruction at the hands of Towson. Loved watching it. You guys are going to totally figure it out. You guys haven't figured it out yet. You're one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the entire country. But yeah, you're going to figure it out under the direction of a guy who has been to zero tournaments the entire time he's been an assistant coach anywhere, which again, Madison man, though, man, which again, JMU, that's probably not a good reason to hire him. If you're looking at someone's (laughs) resume and they've never been in the tournament and that's your goal, probably not going to be the guy you want to hire. Speaking of which, we've been in one and I did reply to this tweet um, because it was just too much. Um, where I said, no one is cyberbullying. No kids were hurt in the making of that tweet. Um, 
But we are a joke of a program. We've been to one tournament in the last 25 plus years. And the tournament we went to was because two of the teams that were the best in the CAA were declared academically ineligible to play in the tournament. So they were disqualified from the CAA tournament. And even then, we needed Northeastern. Yeah, yeah, even then, we needed Northeastern to beat William & Mary for us because there was no way on God's green earth we were going to do it. So because Northeastern did, and then we happened to beat Northeastern, and Towson, and I can't remember who the other team was now that was declared academically ineligible that year, couldn't play in it either. That let us go in to the tournament, which actually killed us because Matt Brady got to stay another year. We're going to lose to William and Mary and Elon this week. It'll be fun. Yeah. Let's move on to the NFL playoffs where you'll get a heavy dose of Leland here because Joe did not watch. I barely watched because we uh, the black team had two games on Sunday. Oof. But uh, at the NFL ranks, uh, the Chiefs started out slow again. Titans played about as well as they could in the first half, first quarter especially. Uh, but they couldn't couldn't handle the Chiefs. The Chiefs have too much offense. And uh, they came back again, and they go to the Super Bowl, their first time to the Super Bowl in 50 years. The last time they went there was Super Bowl four. They beat the Vikings. So uh, they're making some history there in Kansas City. What year was that? And 1969 was 50 years ago. Nice. And then the NFC, Packers lost to the 49ers. <laughs> Packers you know, took the first half off and then tried to come back in the second half and 49ers were cruising by then. So 49ers go makes a 49ers chiefs, super bowl 49ers were last there in 2013 when they lost to your Ravens. Uh, the last time they won a super bowl was the super bowl 29 in 1995 when they beat the chargers in Miami. So that's an interesting little crossover there, but I like the super bowl. That was the one I was rooting for. I really was rooting for 49ers chiefs. Um, nothing against the Packers I would take in them, but I didn't want the Titans in. I wanted the Chiefs in because Mahomes is fun to watch. And then that's what we're going to get. So I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I don't think this is a blowout either way. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it would have been kind of cool, the storyline of uh, Chiefs-Packers for NFL, the 100th year of the NFL yeah. goes back to the Super Bowl one matchup. That would have been kind of cool. But, Super Bowl um, one and two, wasn't it? No. Just one? Okay. I know Packers won the first two. Mm-hmm. The Raiders were in Super Bowl two, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, that would have been cool, but it didn't happen. And um, so now we got the Chiefs and the 49ers and it's the Super Bowl. So uh, people will watch. Hopefully <laughs> it'll be better than the last Super Bowl, which was painful to watch. Yeah, I I'm not going to get excited for the commercials this year. I, I've done it too many years in a row. They're going to disappoint me back to I, I like off topic. I, I like going that way, but going back to the football real quick, everybody tries to write. I, this is what's making me really crazy about the NFL right now. And I think it's, it's been this way for some years now, but it's just driving me crazy in the postseason here is like, everybody takes these one games and just like, that's what that team was like. The Ravens weren't good in that game and they lost. Well, they're still, were a very good team. They had a bad, mm-hmm. it was a bad matchup with the Titans. A very, a quarterback's still good. Everybody's good. They're going to be back next year. Right. Probably win the darn thing next year. Make me miserable. Probably but, not, but yeah. But like, you, you can't just write the whole things. I know we're going to a Super Bowl where one game will be a defining thing for a, uh, for a team. But all of a sudden people are talking about the 49ers. Well, uh, Garoppolo's bad. And I mean, he only threw the ball eight times and all they can do is run. I was like, that was what they did in this game because it worked so well. Like Garoppolo is a, fine quarterback like what are we talking about here if you can run the football i mean this is i mean i told you i bleed red already once 
if you can run the football all day and win football games, then run the football all day and don't put the ball in the air. I, I believe uh, we watch a high school football team in our area do that and be quite successful doing that. So, like, why couldn't the 49ers do that for one game? That doesn't tell me who the 49ers just are as a team forever. So, I, I don't know. It just got on my nerves there. Yeah, and here's the other reason to do that. Be too hard to handle. Here's the other reason to do that. Um, the other team has a guy named Aaron Rodgers. And so when you're running the ball, the clock's running. And if you're able to do it successfully and keep the clock running, then he doesn't get on the field. So guess what you're probably going to see in the Super Bowl? The same thing. If they can do it, they want to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Yeah, they'll try it. I don't care. I don't care if a team doesn't pass. I just want the game to be interesting. I just don't want to watch like a a low-scoring game. And if it's a low-scoring game because the defenses are playing super well, that's one thing. But last year was a low-scoring game because the offenses looked like they'd never played football before. And yeah. I don't think we're going to get that this year. I also don't get it because the Patriots do this every year. They they win in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And, like, why can't the 49ers win one way one game and maybe a different way another game or have that option or you see no. how the game goes and react to it? I just We accept it out of the Patriots, but nobody else? Like, come on. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's touch on Major League Baseball for a second. We're going to talk a lot of Major League Baseball in the next block. But um, I I had missed that Carlos Beltran had gotten hired as the Mets manager. So luckily, I, I'm not going to miss out on much. No. But he is no longer the manager of the Mets. He is so, coached uh, in zero games. Mm-hmm. Hey, undefeated as Mets manager. It's true. Very true. And the other thing we're not going to touch on later, because um, I just don't really like the topic, is Mike Trout. There was HGH rumor stuff. I hate it, man. Like, I, I'm not an Angels fan. I'm not Mr. Mike Trout. But, like, I'm fine with him being the best player in baseball and, like, good things being for him. Like, I hate it, man. Scott Brocious's son, if you aren't familiar, Scott Brocious's son, alleged Scott Brocious's son, now, is this somebody's niece, or is this Beltran's niece? No. Nope. Like, are, are there a couple? We don't know. Beltran's niece was niece not of... his niece. It later <laughs> turned out, and that's a whole thing. Um, so that's why I say allegedly Scott Brocious's son put on Instagram uh, after he had commented, like, yeah, my dad coached their base for the Rangers, um, and he knew this stuff was going on, talking about the Astros. He goes, oh, yeah, here's something else that you might like. Mike Trout's been on HGH for a few years. Major League Baseball's known about it, but he uses a loophole for a thyroid condition so he doesn't get tested and it doesn't have to come out that he's taking HGH. Major League Baseball, I believe it was the next day, denied that they have given any medical exemptions to any minor league or major league players. Um this is the same Major League Baseball, though, that also denied the balls were juiced. So, I don't know. Uh, I think ooh. Verlander shuts up about that, though, for a minute. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I just think that Major League Baseball is... I don't know. I just want to see him tested. I want to see him tested. <laughs> I'd love for him to be tested. I hope he's clean, and then we move on. Because if he's not... Ouch. That's the face of your league. That's a guy who, and look, if I'm being honest, I don't want him to be on HGH either because I like watching the guy play. He is maybe the best player to ever play major league baseball. And like good baseball when it's not being played in pinstripes, we like it. Yeah. And if it turns out that he's on HGH, that's going to be horrible. Yes. Um, but the thing, the big conversation that me and, uh, Steve, who will be on the podcast here in a couple weeks, 
uh, have been saying is like, is baseball even real anymore? Like, we don't know what's real and what's not. Like, I've just, every time there's a meme where it's like something circled on the player's chest where it's like a buzzer device, like they were doing for Altuve. Like, yeah, I don't know about then, that and, either. And then Trout, like, everything, it makes you question everything. And then you have Altuve coming down the baseline holding his jersey. To, like, you question everything now. And so it's it's just so crazy. I do love the memes, though, that, like, take – uh, Big Al, who only hits Daners, uh, you know, and like says, oh, he has a device on him. And then it it takes like the kid from the Sandlot. It takes Ham out there and like that he has a, yeah. a device. On. Like, I love the memes that have come from. This. I'm not discounting it that it laugh. can't. It's like a dark laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not discounting that it can't be, you know, a simple crease in the jersey yes. or something oh, yeah. else or a, a fold of whatever's on under the jersey, another shirt or a necklace or whatever. I'm not discounting well, that. But once you question it now, you but wonder. I got to say, Houston Astros. Yeah, Major League Baseball saying, oh, no, we investigated this and it's totally, totally cool. And I'm like, yeah, because if it wasn't, it would be an even bigger bleep show for you to handle. I mean, could you then you're looking at the Houston Astros going, OK, you don't even get to play baseball anymore. Like none of you get to play baseball anymore. Goodbye to the entire 25 man roster. Like you and SMU are out. Yeah. Hey, know? New York Yankees, we need Garrett Cole <laughs> back because he's gone, too. I mean, just yeah, it's just bad. So I, I don't know. Major League Baseball, I, I would I be surprised if Major League Baseball did find something like that and just looked at him and said, hey, under no circumstances is this to happen again, because if it does, we will literally ban you for life. So I don't know. I, I just don't trust Major League Baseball. I don't trust Rob Manfred. I think he's a snake. I don't trust Manfred either, but yeah. All right, let's talk more baseball. Let's get to the B block with John Leonard. And now on the Yak Sports Podcast, for the first time on the Yak Sports Podcast, we're going to bring on John Leonard. John and I have become good friends through our connection through the Valley League uh, with 40 Sports on my end. He is John from All Things Valley League. He does great things on there. And John, before we get to talking about the reason we brought you on, talk about All Things Valley League and just kind of direct people there and what they expect to see when they go there. Uh, I do all kinds of crazy stuff on all things Valley League. Uh, start with uh, during the season, I, I cover every game that's played um, with all kinds of other stuff during the year, like power rankings, and, and I do like Cy Young predictor and crazy stuff like that. And then in the off season, I keep on posting. Uh, I do top hitters and starting pitchers and relievers from the previous year do a whole bunch of record books from every level of professional baseball. And, uh, and this year I published the 2019 Battle League Annual. I, I put that out in the beginning of December. Um, it's about 280 pages of everything that you would ever want to know about the Valley League. Yeah, um, I would highly recommend that to anybody who's a fan of the Valley League. I know I've mentioned it on here before, um, but I, I ended up getting it. It's a it's a great read through. I'm still not done with it, but uh, it's a great read through. And it's just a great way to recap. I mean, as somebody who went to as many Valley League games as I could and still couldn't make it to them all, it's nice to be able to read back on all these games. And when you get years down the road and you're watching somebody you're like ah, gosh that name sounds familiar this is a great tool to go back and look and say oh yeah that's why that name sounds familiar in fact uh, one of the things in the annual uh even though it's a lot of this year stuff you actually have everyone who is in major league baseball or the, in the minors i believe too uh that is played in the valley league correct 
That is correct. Yeah, that those uh, those chapters took me a long time, but I, <laughs> I have I have about a paragraph, at least a paragraph, on every single player who was in pro ball in 2019 uh, at whatever, uh, either in the minor leagues or the major leagues. I haven't expanded that to the independent leagues yet. That might be down the road, but for now, uh, everybody's oh, minor just, or major league baseball. You're being lazy, man. You got to get to it. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, that's amazing that you're able to cover that many players and also over the history of this. What amazed me most, most I mean, I'm a long follower of the, uh, the blog and then into Twitter, but I mean, you were out of the country for a little period of time in there and you were still producing Valley League coverage, even from afar. Um, and that's what always amazed me is like, I think you had put out some kind of post that you weren't going to be able to cover it. And then you were still producing things. That's what always amazed me about your dedication. I took a little break there uh, when we when we moved to Kenya in 2011. Uh, but I. I discovered that I was still doing all the research and reading yeah. about these guys, and I decided ah, I'll just keep going. So I yeah. picked it up again after a couple months off. Yeah, I can't, I can't get this league out of my system. I think it's in you, my blood for for good. You took a cast in retirement there, a couple months off there. Yeah. <laughs> John, I want to. We wanted to bring you on because I know you and I have had. Facebook message conversations about the Astros and Red Sox scandal. Um, I'm laughing because it's uh, it's January. We're talking about baseball, which I guess is good, but um, this scandal is not good for baseball. And uh, I'm also laughing because I hate the Red Sox and I love that they're in this. So um, obviously Houston has gotten rid of their manager and GM. Boston got rid of Alex Cora, their manager. Um, what are your thoughts on just everything that's happening right now in Major League Baseball? This, I mean, this is crazy. I, I, I just, can't, I cannot remember a time where there was there was such a huge, a huge topic in baseball, like you said, in January. But I, this, I mean, this is this is a bad look for for, for Major League Baseball for sure. And we see this, I think, in baseball more than we see it in other sports, like in particular the NFL. Um, there's something about baseball, about the purity of it, about the the statistics and the numbers, that if we can't, if we don't know what's real, it, it really hurts the credibility of of baseball. You know, is, is Alex Bregman really like? Can he hit 55 doubles in a season without knowing what's coming? Like we we don't know the answer to these things, and and I think. I think this is a this is going to be a tough thing for Major League Baseball to come back from, um, and I'm not sure. I was reading some things today. I mean, this 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 topic. I've read almost nothing else for the last couple of weeks, uh, but they're talking about maybe they're not going to let anybody use any replay during the game, like or maybe when the game starts, everybody has to stay in the dugout unless they have to go to the bathroom, like. <laughs> They, they clearly know that they've got they've got a major problem here with credibility and I'm not sure how they get it back yeah I agree and look I think the saying that they can't nobody can use replay capabilities in the clubhouse I think that's actually would be exciting because these managers and players seem to really uh get animated and want to argue with umpires so this would be a great way to do it right get rid of the ability to be on the phone and say should we replay that or not and then just have them managers need to make a call. Um, I think that would be kind of exciting, but um, I want to ask you 
in terms of this scandal, no, it's because it's not been collectively bargained. So the commissioner doesn't want to even try to go into that right now with the union with uh, a CBA coming up in the near future anyway. Uh, And that's always fun in baseball, but um, the players came out, I think it was yesterday and started talking about nothing really. Um, And, and you already saw with Altuve and Bregman saying, you know, we're no matter what, we're still going to, come out everybody's doubting us now and we're going to come out and prove that we're the best team and it to me it just kind of made my stomach turn because this is a team that i had rooted for because i liked jose altuve i liked carlos correa i liked alex bregman but now that i've heard all this stuff it's changed the houston astros in my mind in the postseason they had some other front office issues that made it hard to root for him but um Right now, now this, and you're just like, God, you guys don't even get it. Like you guys did this. You knew what was going on. And Alex Bregman saying, you know, well, you know, the commissioner doesn't want us to talk about it because it's alleged and be like, no, no, it's not alleged. <laughs> you did it. Like, that's, <laughs> What are your thoughts on just how the players and, and then I guess how major league baseball has come down on this. Do you think they should have been stronger? Well, I think, I think it's, like, like you said, uh, for one thing, if they, if they tried to suspend players, they would have to deal with the union. And the union is strong, and, I, and they would have to fight that battle. I mean, we see some of these arbitration cases. And, you know, Chris Bryant, um, his complaint is still being heard. Like, these, these things take forever. And I think it's so much easier for Major League Baseball to say, well, we'll just hold the manager and the general manager uh, to account. And we'll let and the players go. Now, of course, the players I think were given immunity if they if they spoke too, or at least <laughs> they weren't going to talk if they didn't have immunity. Um, right. The other thing is the other thing is we don't know how deep this goes, and this is something that I've been thinking about. What happens if Major League Baseball suspends? Let's say they just suspend Altuve and Bregman for a year, and we say, okay, we got the ringleaders. Now they know never to do that again. And then next week, we find out that the Phillies were doing the same thing. Okay, so now we're going to kick out Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins, and then the Twins were doing it. Like, I, I, I wonder if Major League Baseball wasn't hedging a little bit to say there might be more coming, and let's be careful. It's so easy to say goodbye to a general manager and a manager. No offense to, to, to those guys, <laughs> right? Right. But it's so much harder to, to do that to a player, especially if there's going to be more stuff coming out. And I and I just have to believe that there is going to be more stuff. As I was going to say, I, I think I read somewhere where they said the potential is seven to eight teams involved already. Um, yeah. And that's hard. That's hard to fathom. And I guess that's a good point. Like if you get Altuve and Bregman and then you get, yeah, let's say the Red Sox, you go to J.D. Martinez and whoever. And, and Mookie Betts. And, yeah, or Mookie Betts. And then you go to the Yankees because that's the other thing I love. Yeah, go get there's that. There's that still image that was also in the ALCS. There was a shot in the dugout where Aaron Judge turns around, looks at the camera, and you see this piece of paper that the Yankees are looking at and the hitters are looking at. And then he moves to block the piece of paper. And you're like, oh, that wasn't weird. Uh, so, I mean, if Aaron Judge and, uh, you know, Giancarlo Stanton or whoever gets caught up, I mean, I would love it. I mean, gosh. I have a feeling well, most, most of us would love it if the Yankees got in trouble, but everybody else, I don't know. 
I, I told you, I, my dream is for 28 teams to be caught up in this. And the I only just two want my pirates to get on board here. And the only two, I mean, obviously not doing it. The only two that don't are the Marlins <laughs> and the Orioles, and they just play a best of seven for the last two years World Series titles. <laughs> yeah, that the would improbable, be a lot. The yeah. improbable run of the Marlins can get back at it here. Yeah. <laughs> What's sad, Joe, is the Orioles would still lose. I don't know. I don't know. They got Wei Yan Chen. He was so bad, we got rid of him. So I don't know. I, I think one one thing is for sure is that nobody would care. I don't think anybody. Would <laughs> oh, come on, John. I would be glued. I'd be glued to my seat. I think the interesting thing you talk about not suspending these players, but you know when they find uh, steroids or uh, you know substances with these players, they suspend them. So I think in the future, I think they need to work out a way. Like if you're caught cheating outside of, um, you know, on the field, like if you're using the electronics, then like they need to set something up and maybe draw the line here and say, listen, this is new to us. And like they did with steroids, like from now on, we're going to test you. You get caught, you're suspended this many games. And then they increase that number for the first time uh, being caught. I think I think they could draw a line in the sand here and just say, "All right, from now on, you get caught as a player. This is what you're gonna have." And so, anything that's happened, we forget about it, like they did with steroids, and then move forward. I think that's a I think that's a decent enough idea. My my only concern is that with with PEDs, these were players. Most of the I mean, you, they could have been acting by themselves. With with a cheating thing like this, yeah. like the only way the the guy at the plate is going to find out is if a teammate is relaying mm-hmm. it to him. Yep. So we're we're too deep there already, uh, and then everybody else knows what's going on. By the way, can we have somebody talk to Brian McCann or Justin Verlander? Oh God! And and, and, <laughs> and ask them now, like they've been the no fun police for so long. Like we have to play the game the right way over and over. They say this all the time. Can we ask them uh, why they didn't step up and stop this when it was when it was happening? <laughs> because otherwise, Brian McCann wouldn't be a major league baseball player right now because he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, of course, it is so easy for us to be sitting back uh, in our in our chairs <laughs> saying these guys should have should have stopped it. And it's so much more difficult when you're in the situation and you're and you're looking your teammates in the eye. Uh, I get all of that, but but boy, some guys have really looked like hypocrites over this, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And I mean, Verlander, one of the one of the leaders in that. I mean, we 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 talked about PEDs. We talked about uh, that and other comparisons there. Well, what is your kind of list? Where do you put this compared to PEDs? Compared to you know going all the way to the Black Sox? We talked about it last week, and we kind of ranked it. What? Where do you kind of throw this uh, cheating scandal in in the mix with, with other? you know, on-field speeding. Well, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. I've been thinking about that a lot, too. I, I, I mean, this, there, it's clear that this is a bad one, um, but how much worse is it uh, about the, than the stuff that's been going on for, for years, right? Like, I think the, like the 1951 Giants were supposedly stealing signs from, from center field. Um, you know, Pete Rose and his and his terrible gambling thing, which, uh, you know, the 1919 Chicago Black Sox. I, this, I don't, I, I don't know how to rank them. I think they're all, they're all terrible. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball's I, I, great I, traditions. It sounds like it sounds like analysis of politics. It's it's all terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid. I'm yeah. I'm afraid. I I feel like I feel pretty disgusted by Pete Rose, and I feel like what Rose was involved with in might be the worst of all of them, in my own opinion. And that's just that's just because you know, and people like to say, well, he only bet. He says that he only bet on his own team to win. The only reason that we think that is because that's what he said. And Pete Rose has lied about this all the way from the beginning. And I don't know if we can trust that at all. With all of that said, though, the PEDs and Pete Rose and all of that stuff, can we separate out the Hall of Fame from this? Can I change topics on you guys here? Yeah, yeah, you're swinging. Yeah, I know where he's going. But, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I... So I can I can get ranting about this. I people I, it seems like people that really care about baseball they have really strong opinions and like you see it about the designated hitter that that some people say I will stop watching baseball if they get rid of the pitcher batting in the National League and we see it in the Hall of Fame as well. People are so angry about these PED guys in particular Bonds and Clemens that they say that they should never be in the Hall of Fame. Now, of course, Pete Rose has been banned for his lifetime, so he's not in the Hall of Fame either. And I just can't help but think this this place is a museum. I mean, is, is Major League Baseball that bad at cleaning up their own messes that they have to have a museum take care of it for them to decide who's worthy of their place in history? Like, this, to me... To me, this is a no-brainer. Okay, like my daughters hate baseball, so they're never going to go to Cooperstown with me. <laughs> but if I if I ever have grandkids, I want to take them and show them the history of baseball. And you're telling me that the all-time hit leader, the all-time home run leader, the the most Cy Young awards, they're not they're not going to be in there. Man, go ahead and build a whole extra wing and call it the Cheaters' wing, and like put them all in there. <laughs> Like I, that's that's great, but have them there somehow. I mean, I so I don't get into the whole that that uh, they should be so ashamed and they should be punished forever and not be in this museum. They have a gift shop there for Pete's sake. Do we want do we want them to decide who who gets remembered forever? Or uh, I don't know. I go I go a little nuts about this. Like I said, baseball people have strong opinions. <laughs> John, I want to move you to the other issue that MLB kind of stepped into a little bit this offseason. When it got leaked by what would appear to be minor league baseball, that Major League Baseball has a plan for minor league baseball, and it's to contract about 42 teams. Um, What is your opinion on that? Because we talked about this. I got kind of fired up about it because there's some teams that are affected that are in our area in particular that fans could travel to. That I just think for a sport that is aging in terms of fans and struggling to reach families and young younger people, this is a really good way to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, what what is your opinion on this plan? Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed in it for sure. I, I have such great memories of, of driving up to Hagerstown or to Frederick. And uh, you know, I saw Bryce Harper's first home game in the uh, in the Washington national system when he played at Hagerstown, you know, the place was packed. It was, 
it was so much fun to be there. It, and especially with the way uh, some of these major league clubs have held small town hostage to build them new facilities. It seems awfully short-sighted to me that Major League Baseball is gonna, going to just eliminate these teams, even with the idea that they're going to replace it with something with something different. I, I baseball is so awash in money. There's so many billions of dollars in this industry that they say that they have to eliminate teams so that they can pay the minor leaguers a a, a living wage. Like this, this just doesn't make sense. And I, I wish, I wish someone would hold Manfred's, um, Rob Manfred's feet to the fire a little on this, and uh, try to figure out what's really, what's really driving this. And I know they've said things too about different facilities and how they may not be up to up to par. I think the minor leagues definitely need to be restructured. Um, there are some, some of these leagues are almost cross country and it is a tremendous amount of traveling for these, for these young people. Uh, but I, I really wish that they would not eliminate these teams and, and I guess nothing's a done deal just yet. And I know politicians have gotten involved and that, I don't know, that might make yeah, it more complicated definitely help. rather yeah. than less. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I do, I do wish that, that major league baseball would not eliminate these teams. And Joe, I think you're on board with that as well. Aren't you? Yeah. I, I that's my thing with it. It just doesn't, the, the pros of saving a penny, um, don't seem to outweigh the future costs of potentially losing dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best way to say it. Yeah. I I don't, I don't, I haven't heard, I haven't, I, even in the media, like I don't even talk to hear people on PTI or, or any of the, around the horns or anything. Like no one thinks this is a good idea. I just, it's only, I guess, the owners that think it's it's a good idea, and I think it goes exactly back to what Joe just said. You're going to save this little bit of money here to then watch your sport die over the next two decades. So, and uh, my goodness, what the Atlanta Braves did to all of their those little towns that have their their minor league teams in them. I mean, these these towns had to publicly pay for these stadiums, and they were doing stuff then, like like eliminating their parks and rec department and their police department and fire department were scaled back so that they could pay for these teams. And now we're going to eliminate them. Man, I don't know. It seems like, it seems like political suicide to me. Yeah. I agree. Well, let's try to move to something a little more positive and get you out of here. Uh, I believe you listen to the act podcast. So, you know what the question's coming. Have you been binging anything? Do you have any recommendations for TV shows or movies that you've seen lately that our listeners need to see? I was ready for this one. <laughs> Great. Um, the, the one TV show that, that uh, I and my daughter enjoyed immensely was Watchmen on, on HBO. Oh, God, I need to see that. Uh, got, a, got a huge kick out of it, and I think that uh, it might have been maybe episode six. It might have been one of the best episodes I've ever seen uh, in my entire life. And I know recency bias and all that, but uh, it was pretty pretty great. And then just the last two days, I started watching The Outsider on HBO. And this is, this is not for the faint of heart, I don't think. It's pretty dark. But, uh, but so far has been fascinating, and uh, I've been enjoying it quite a bit for the first three episodes. Awesome. Well, that's I gotta like get two my good HBO recommendations. 
Got to get my HBO. Yeah, we haven't gotten any of these recommendations before, so those are two great ones. Uh, so thanks for those. Well, thanks for coming on, John. I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I, I really enjoy your podcast. I listen to it listen to it every week religiously. And I need to stop <laughs> bothering need to stop bothering Joe before I actually finish the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get some funny messages sometimes when he says something I'm like, "Yeah, we're gonna cover that in about two minutes." Yeah, yeah. I, then I then I clicked play, and like ten minutes later, you guys were discussing that very thing. It was, it was a little embarrassing, but but uh, no, I love your podcast, and and uh, thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. Thank you, John. All right, D-block time, but thanks again to John Leonard coming on. We're going to get him back on. He's not just going to be a 4D guest uh, from now on. We're, we're going we're gonna to share him between the podcasts. We're going to get him on here at least a little That's bit. That's fine. Uh, we always, I always recommend listeners to go to 4D and listen to your great guests that you have over there and the stuff you have over there. But we're going to get him here too because he listens to this podcast. I, I need to talk with him more. We need to get you out of the mix. I need to have a direct relationship with this guy that knows this much about Valley Baseball League. But I want to talk about what's dominating my life. And uh, I guess I'm going negative. I, I know uh, I didn't want to go negative, but I guess I'm going negative. But I've watched some Clint Eastwood produced and directed movies lately Uh-oh. that are terrible. And I know he's had success in the past. A Million Dollar Baby, um, other movies that I'm sure are good that are back on this list. But yeah, is last- your... I have a question before you go any further. Is your list movies he's appeared in or just movies he's directed? This is directed. These okay. What you're seeing on our little sheet that the listener mm-hmm. at home doesn't see yeah. is directed or produced. Those gotcha. are the yeses. Okay. So uh, appeared in. I I don't. I'm not gonna uh, slam them there. But I watched The Mule a few weeks ago, and my wife fell asleep during it. Which okay. Sometimes we're just tired. When we when she woke up, I said, "You're not worried watching that. That was terrible. It was a terrible movie. It was just, it it reminded me of the pace of Gran Torino, but like jumped around and made less sense than Gran Torino. And I think Gran Torino had its own problems. And this was just bad, which really surprised me for the people that were involved in that movie. It was just a bad movie. And then I watched the 1517 to Paris, which is a, I'm not bashing the story at all. They had these guys. Uh, two of them were in American military. They were off duty. They were traveling Europe on a train to Paris and terrorists on there. And they took them out and they tackled and great heroes. Great job. I'm glad Clint Eastwood or whoever wanted to made a movie about these guys. And I think some of the ways they made the movie were cool. I think they used some of the real people involved. So that's, that's awesome. The movie was badly made. And it, what's sad is I didn't really even know it was a Clint Eastwood movie. I, I just didn't remember that from when the movie was coming out or anything. So we're watching this movie. I didn't pay attention to the opening credits. We're watching the movie. And I, like 40 minutes in, I'm like, I want to know who directed this. I said it out loud to my wife. I, I want to know who directed this because it'll be interesting to see who this director is because I want to see him in the future and see if they get better because there's just some weird stuff happening here and the dialogue's really bad. So, you know, I hope they get better. And then, like, right at the end, like, first name comes up is Clint Eastwood. I was like, well, I guess the future is not too bright. <laughs> like, if we don't yeah. have so long, not to be mean about it, but, like, he's only going to make so many more movies. Like, I feel like he's getting worse at making these movies. So I just, 
Those two movies in particular, not well done. I've heard bad reviews about Richard Jewell, something I was interested in seeing, seeing previews. Now, after, you know, 0 for 2 in my recent Clint Eastwood movies, I'm not hopeful about Richard Jewell. So uh, just a heads up that uh, if you liked a bunch of his old movies, I don't I don't think he's making them as well as he used to. I haven't seen a lot of these recent movies that he's made, not because of any problems, but just because... American Sniper was good, and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie yet. Um, it's just not oh, something man. I've seen. Um, so I got it. I'll, I'll let you borrow it. That's a really good movie. I think looking at your list, Jay Edgar is probably the most recent movie that he made that I saw. I like Jay Edgar. Uh, Invictus Sully. was pretty good. I didn't see Sully. It was fine. Um, yeah, so I, I can't really comment on that. Uh, sorry you had a not enjoyable movie experience. I only have so many, so much time for movies. I know. It was like one night away from the kids. And uh, yeah, we watched that movie and it was a mistake. Well, Disney we Plus watch... has Aladdin. So that's going to be probably the next movie that I haven't seen yet that I watched. I did watch Star Wars. I think I talked about that last week, though. Yeah, we talked about that last week. So what is dominating your life, though? Well, uh, what's dominating my life is I just want to throw in uh, an NBA, NHL, you know, update. And we're about we're about the halfway point of I can't these two seasons. Believe that you're updating us on the NBA. That's right. Um, it's for have our you fans. Any NBA? It's for our fans. No, I have watched zero <laughs> NBA. Um, but I've heard about it. I also said that the Miami Heat uh, were going to be a dark horse, and sure enough, they're number two in the East right now. They are looking good, right behind the Milwaukee Bucks. And by right behind, I mean there's eight right games behind. between them. Uh, yeah. yeah, Milwaukee is by far the best team in the East. But the Miami Heat are right there in, in a group that in, includes the Raptors, Celtics, Pacers, and Sixers as teams that could all finish second place. And, and I think in the East, I mean, the Bucks kind of picked up where they left off last mm-hmm. year. They were a really strong team last year. And then I think didn't quite live up to what they were hoping they'd do in the playoffs, obviously losing out and the Raptors going on. Um, but I think the Bucks, I do think this is a good year for them. The Raptors are still around, though. That's what surprises me out of the East is, uh, I mean, the Heat probably being that good is a little bit surprising, but the, the Raptors still kind of hanging on to a top four spot really surprises me. So um, I think the East will be interesting, but only two to six. I, yeah, I think Bucks win it. They'll have home court. The Wizards are as disappointing as expected. Uh, so fun times and there. They, and they cut our boy. Oh, did they? I didn't notice that. Yeah. That it was like three days before they were having college night where they're getting out Wizards hats with the VT logo on it. Like three days before that, they cut Justin Robinson. <laughs> what a terrible PR move. Um, I guess they figured people already bought their tickets by then. Um, catches on somewhere. I do too. The, the Lakers lead things in the West, uh, but I would say they haven't really separated, separated themselves. Uh, the Nuggets, Clippers, and Jazz are all pretty much right there. Uh, so one through four is separated by less than five games. Uh, I think that could still, I mean, I, I still think it's between the two LA teams to see who wins yeah. in the regular season, um, and ends up representing the West in the postseason too. But, uh, I I'd say it's not as decisive right now as Milwaukee, but that being said, Milwaukee was pretty decisive last year and they found a way not to win the East. So. I think the Jazz and the West are that interesting team to watch that you listed there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have as much faith in the Nuggets there. And I, and I think, obviously, the Clipper. I really – I mean, I, I think you're right about one of the L.A. teams. Houston's been the big disappointment. And I'm also disappointed in Portland. I thought they were, they were pretty strong last year, and I thought they might be on their way up, and they're not really making too much noise over there. No, they're probably going to have to trade some people. Yeah. All right. NHL, I won't interrupt you. Yeah, NHL. I have been watching some <laughs> NHL. 
Um, I've been to an NHL game this year. I saw the Capitals beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, which was fun. I watched some more NHL games this year, including the one over the weekend where the Caps had five unanswered goals in the third period to overcome a 4-1 deficit to beat the New York Islanders after some player who will remain nameless because he's an Islander and I don't know him. But I, I thought it was like Bryce Harper. I found out he has nine career goals and he's not very good. But anyway, he scored a goal to make to put up the Islanders 4-1. And he started doing uh, Eugenie Kuznetsov's, Kuznetsov's uh, celebration, which is flapping, putting a leg up and flapping his wings, uh, his arms as wings, uh, to taunt the Caps. And then in the third period, the Caps put five goals on him and beat him, which was hilarious. And then the New York Islanders for Lloyd was out there. The New York Islanders. The best part is when it happened, the Islanders put a tweet out that said this Selly, which is lingo for celebration. uh, In case you're not up with the hip times. I'm older than you. So I don't know that stuff. But (laughs) the best part is when the caps came back, the Islanders deleted the tweet. Oh, what a clown organization. Oh, it's great. It's great to beat the Islanders. Uh, The Caps are the the best team in the NHL heading into the All-Star break, which is awesome. Uh, We have 71 points, which leads the league by three points over Boston in the East and St. Louis in the West. Uh, The Caps lead their division. In case you're unfamiliar with how NHL playoffs work, Conference stuff doesn't really matter too much unless you're a wild card. The top three teams from each division go, and then two wild cards from each conference go. And then uh, the wild cards will play the top team in each division. So right now, the Caps will be playing the Carolina Hurricanes, who are in their division, because both wild cards would be from the Metropolitan Division. Carolina Hurricanes are the team that knocked out the Caps last year. So hopefully that wouldn't happen again. I will say this Caps team is doing really well. I don't I, I I think they have a legitimate shot at a Stanley Cup again, which is great. I, I don't know if I would bet on it, but uh, I like their chances. I, another good thing for the Caps this year, Holpe has been a little up and down recently, but the reserve keeper Samsonov has come in. He has done great. He's the first off. I was way off. Yeah, he's the first goalie uh, in franchise history that is a rookie to win his first 10 road games, uh, which is really hard to do in the NHL. He's done great. Uh, And it's a fun team to watch. I mean, that comeback, I didn't have a lot of hope. Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't turn it on until it was four to three, but I saw the tying goal. Basically when I flipped it on 20 seconds later, we scored the tying goal. And then I watched us score the go ahead goal. And then I watched us score an empty netter to put it away. Uh, It was awesome. Uh, glad they beat them. And then I saw them have a late comeback against Columbus, like I said, live a few weeks ago. And that was awesome too. Uh, that was Samsonov was in net uh, for that Columbus game. And in this one, he ended up coming in in the third period because Holpe had struggled those first two periods. They pulled Holpe, put Samsonov in. Samsonov closed out the third period and the Caps ended up getting that comeback win. In the West, I want to touch on quickly Vegas surprised people last week. Oh my goodness. They fired their this coach. This is worse than soccer talk. Vegas surprised their coach by firing him despite only being one point off a division lead. It kind of took a lot of people by surprise. We'll see if it pays off for Vegas or not, but, uh, were they cheating? Were they stealing signs? No, I, it was just a weird fire. I don't know if they've said, uh, since then, because I'm not too plugged into a lot of hockey news outside the capitals. 
I don't know if they've said why they fired him. Uh, if it was performance-based, I'd be shocked. But last year's Stanley Cup champs in the Blues are the best team in the West, so they are in a good spot to at least maybe return. So this All-Star game, where is this All-Star game? It's in St. Louis. What Do they not play the All-Star? They should play the All-Star game outside. Everybody gets all hyped about playing outside. Mm-hmm. They should do the All-Star game outside. Nope, 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 nope. Do they still do USA versus the world? No. Okay. Uh, but I think it is USA versus Canada, or maybe it's North America versus the world, and women's. They're going to have a three-on-three game at during one of the intermissions of the All-Star game, which is really cool. Um, and then they're going to be playing 3v3 for the divisions during the All-Star game because they don't do it by conferences. But the skills competition is really fun to watch, too. I think that's Friday night, and then the game is Saturday. Uh, looking forward to that. I, I got to be honest. Of the All-Star weekends, I kind of like hockey's the most just because they really embrace the skills competition, which is fun. Uh, and the games, the games, I don't I don't know. I guess there's not an All-Star game that I like really get up for. I kind of still like the Major League Baseball one, but uh, who cares? Yeah, I do. I like that one the best. All right, what do you know that I need to know? And hopefully it's not soccer or hockey. Uh, it's not. I could talk about Liverpool basically no. winning the league. You're um, going to have plenty of time to talk about them coming up. So leave our, I could talk about that. I listeners. will say, and this is also, you know, production meeting. Uh, I do want Leland to find a tweet that I shared uh, today uh, and retweet it because it's another Titanic video moment uh, i watched it actually yeah <laughs> i when it happened live i was like i can't wait for this to have the titanic music put to it yeah. uh it was great great win over man united but uh anyway i want to talk about jose iglesias being signed to the baltimore orioles which is basically the only off-season news involving is the baltimore enrique's orioles brother so funny you mentioned enrique my brother and i have joked about this <laughs> i really want his batter intro to be hero I really want his batter intro to be hero so, so bad. Um, if it is, I will buy a Jose Iglesias jersey. I just, I want that so bad. The thought of hearing, I can be your hero baby when he comes up to the plate. Oh, I would love it. Because let me tell you, next year is going to be another rough year for the Orioles. I already know this. I'm just hoping, I'm hoping we're closer to 62 wins than we were this year. Maybe they get their cheating going. Maybe they get there. No, don't, don't. Because if we have to fire Mike Elias, I will cry. Him not being named in that Houston Astros scandal was amazing. Because if they had said, oh, yeah, Mike Elias was involved, I'd have been like, well, forget it. Let's fold the team. <laughs> You've gotten rid of a lot of teams in this podcast. Last week, you were going after coaches. Now, now you're after teams. Speaking of coaches. All right. What I know that you need to know is that they didn't fire Roy Williams this week. I know it's I didn't say they would fire him this week. <laughs> They're never gonna fire him. <laughs> if they finish last going to fire him. If they finish last, we might have a mutually agreed to part ways situation. That's not a firing. Uh, it'll be code. I don't think he's done. And I know Tony Kornheiser said, Oh, he wants out of there and so I think he's having a rough time and he's not used to losing and he's frustrated. And that's why he says things like they should fire me. That's a guy that's very secure with his job. Thank that you. Would say Roy. They should fire me. Thank like that, you, Roy. That only reiterates the fact that they're never going to fire him, that he could joke that he could make that statement ton in cheek and, and say that you don't see other coaches doing that because it's more relevant for them. They're never going to fire Roy Williams. He leaves when he decides to. 
period. When they have a meeting in the athletic director's office and they say, I think it would be best. But they are not firing Roy Williams. And I, people agreed with me on Twitter. I read articles. I, I tried all I could to find someone that agreed with you that met, that was somebody, somebody that made sense. Roy Williams is somebody. Yeah. That's why he makes a joke about being fired. That's like Nick Saban saying, Oh, Nick Saban did have, it's been a few years, but I think it was one of his first years at Alabama. He said something that was really inappropriate <laughs> when, when they lost to UL Monroe. I don't know if you remember, but I remember I when did he they said fire? they didn't, they could have fired him because it was that inappropriate. He said after they lost to UL Monroe yeah. that that was their 9-11. And I was like, hmm, oh my <laughs> that was maybe not the right thing to say. Look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Oh my, that is bad. I had forgotten that. Woo. Well, I just wanted to have an update and I'll make sure we check in every once in a while. Make sure Roy Williams still is the coach at UNC. Cause I mean, you, they're not going to fire him before the year. And, week. and look, you might be right. It might not come out as a firing, but it will come out as a Roy Williams has decided to go to either a retire or B look into other opportunities. I will take the risk of saying this because I get, if they finish last, if, if they finish last, help. They're not going to finish last. You, you keep tying it to this finish last. They're not going to finish last. They'll, they'll, he's, a, he's a good coach. They're going to pull some wins together. They're not going to make the tournament. Fine. They're probably not making the NIT. Fine. They're not finishing last in the ACC. We'll see. Anyway, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but they're not firing him. I had another point, and you messed me up. But uh, No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think 24 months from now, I think two years from today, he will still be the head coach there. So you go on your, they're going to fire him, and I'm saying he'll be there 24 If months they're now. last place, he will not be the coach at North Carolina next year. They're so injured. I just don't see how you don't see this. It's Matt Daugherty was the coach at UNC, and they did not make the tournament. They were this bad then. He coached the next season. They weren't last place in the ACC bad. They were maybe second to last place. They were like four and they were bad. 14 or something. Yeah. Whatever games they played back then. It was really bad. And he coached the next year. And that guy's name wasn't Roy Williams. It was less of a coach than what Roy Williams is. Who do you get? Who do you get? You get rid of Roy Williams. Who do you think they're rushing out the door to go get? Anybody they want. Who? I don't know. Who does North Carolina want? They're the University of North Carolina. They can get whoever the heck they want. I guess they're getting Tony Bennett. I think if they wanted Tony Bennett, they could have him. I think I think they could take Tony Bennett, and I would love it. I'd laugh. (laughs) And now we've made Jeff mad for one podcast. Well, that will do it for us here on the X Sports Podcast. Now that we've made Jeff mad, Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We'll see him tomorrow night uh, Uh, while this is getting posted. uh, Yeah, sit next to him. (laughs) Yeah, so he'll like us at least one more time. you can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. You can follow us on Facebook, Yak Sports Pod. Make sure if you have any email questions, you email them to yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify to make sure you never miss another episode. Tell your friends, comment in the links on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, what you think of anything we said? Or am I too hard on Justin Fuente? The answer is going to be no. Am I too hard on Lewis I'm not Rowe? Am I too hard on Lewis Rowe? Again, probably not. 
what do you think of the high school basketball seasons going on? What do you think of James Kasak? Uh, we talked about UVA basketball. Jeff, tell us, you, you are the UVA expert. Tell us what you're feeling about UVA basketball. So uh, are you excited about the Super Bowl? And most importantly, what do you think about this MLB stuff? Because I could talk for days on it. Uh, but until next week, folks, we're glad you're listening to the Axports podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends as well and let them know. We're talking about the high school sports they care about here in Augusta County, as well as the sports that they love to follow outside of Augusta County. Until then, folks, for Leela McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Have a good one. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.